0: And don't ask me why, but we ended up in the same restroom
1: and <laughs> it seems like, you're burying, seems like you're burying the lead a little there. Same
0: stall, I asked you not to ask. I I, I ended up in the stall and all of a sudden I, I couldn't get out. I was stuck in the stall. I couldn't get <laughs> could not figure out how to open the freaking door. Tim, Tim brought up a good point. It was in my own escape room. I just couldn't figure. I couldn't solve the puzzle.
2: Uh, you have to flush the toilet, put your f- hand in there, and there's a key that pops out.
0: See, I missed That's that. That's not, <laughs> <laughs> not a
2: key. That's not. You are listening to episode 153 of PHP Ugly, your weekly dose of developer grumbling grumblings and piss off in this with me today a man high as in colorado high thomas Rideout. hello and i am your other host and lovely san diego eric van johnson we are man short we're a man yeah, short. Man he's down.
1: gallivanting around at php tech
2: he's hanging with the real titans of php while we are here merely faking it as i'm here i actually they actually sent me a sent me a picture um, let me let me cut over to that here. Hold on. Oh, oh wait. That's oh, that's, that's not the that's right awkward. tab. That that, that that was awkward. Hold, hold on. Let me let me uh, let me take that off. Take that off the screen. Um, here, these guys right here, the real titans of PHP. Uh, Mister Congdon is is at PHP Tech in Atlanta, Georgia, and this is a almost live shot of. The brainiacs and uh, they're having a few, a few refreshments. It's going on what midnight there, so they're probably just getting started. I'm sure by the time the night's over, the six of them will have created some sort of new framework or something along that line.
1: You started a new business without you,
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, did that, did I actually, did I actually get that up on the screen? Uh I did. Oh, wait, what is this, what is this, uh, what is this over here? Move that out of the way. I don't know who that is. Why are these, oh, I forgot to, I forgot we got to fix these windows, Thomas. These are our browser windows, so when we actually do articles on browsers, let's go ahead and fix that while, uh, while we're live. Seems like a good idea.
1: So, well, I don't see any problem with it.
2: So what have you been up to, Thomas?
1: I have been very busy, uh, especially today, getting Windows configured and happy and running. And
2: <gasps> are you full blown Windows now?
1: I am on one of my machines. I am full blown Windows. Uh, my wow. other machine, not so much yet. Uh, for for all of the things that we've been reading about that are really great advancements in Windows.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Boy, there's just some heaping piles of garbage that I forgot <laughs> about.
2: Been, it's been forever for me. I mean, first thing, fresh Windows install, right? What was that like? How much, how much junk did you have to put up with? Uh,
1: so Windows has gone the way of the cell phone and included as much garbage as they can find that's free just to throw in.
2: Even even when you're just doing a fresh install from a disk and not... not
1: yeah, a... so did a totally custom, fresh install, uh, and that gave me prompts about my privacy settings and things like that. Um, during the install, the touchpad did not work, so everything was done with tabbing and spacebar. Mm. Um, but then once I got into it, uh, Candy Crush and uh AutoCAD draw and no, really? I mean just a ton of pointless Nord- garbage. Is Norton stuff.
2: antivirus still one of the
1: installs. No, they have a built-in antivirus now which is essentially useless, but they keep telling you that you need to have it. It's very, very mm-hmm. important. Um mm-hmm. you know, uh setting up all the uh removing Cortana as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't fully remove it uh fixing now the start menu
2: you're you're broadcasting on the Windows machine today, right?
1: Yes, this is the windows machine the the shiny and new uh now, the thing I do like is that it's not just hitching and locking me out of the you know system for a minute at a time every time I close a tab, which is nice <laughs> um, yeah,
2: probably beneficial,
1: yeah. Which was the the reason for installing Windows in the first place was that the system on Ubuntu had just degraded to the point of being unusable. The big thing for me was I wanted to play with WSL and developing Linux-based applications in Windows. So I actually have WSL installed now, and I can just go ahead into the start menu and start Ubuntu And it drops me right into an Ubuntu instance.
2: And and what is WSL?
1: Uh, WSL is Windows System for Linux. It's their version of uh, containerized Linux installations on Windows. Um, It uses direct hardware access, so it's nice and fast. And it's just part of the Windows Store now. If you... If you have the latest, latest version of Windows, which is the May update, I believe, then uh, you can jump in and, from the actual Windows Store, install Ubuntu, Seuss. let me see, I got the, the list right here, uh, Kali, Kali Linux, Ubuntu, uh, WSL Arch Linux, Debian uh, Suse wow. Enterprise,
2: and you can install all these on top of each other. Like they, they all, they all live and play together.
1: Yeah. So they, they just open up as if they were a terminal, like an SSH terminal into a, a Unix system, um, except that you can browse the Windows file system from there too. Uh, it gets hmm. mounted in the MNT directory. Oh, nice. Um. And it doesn't include all of the GUI stuff. It does. It's not compatible with a t- you know all virtualization stuff because it isn't true virtualization. Uh, that's why you have to go with the versions that are currently supported. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's getting there, and I could certainly install MySQL and have it running on my Ubuntu slice. Really? And, yeah. And nice. you, you can do full on all the all the CLI stuff that you could normally do, or most do you, of the. Do CLI you have
2: stuff. Um, Do you have uh, access to get None of that. I mean, is that how you install stuff in those yep. in those environments?
1: Yeah, I did an get dist upgrade after installing it from the store.
2: No kidding.
1: It's pretty slick. Hmm. So I'm I'm going to see what it's like to develop. Inside Windows to Linux,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, since the Windows drive, the C drive, is mounted in the the shard or whatever you, it should be called, uh, I can just set that as my root directory for my web browser or server, and mm-hmm. it should work. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm definitely going to get into get into that further this week and see how far I can move over to windows without actually being on windows versions of executables.
2: Interesting. I just noticed uh, Daryl again, thanks for letting us know the music was playing. Um, our little discord window and uh, isn't updating right now, which is odd. I wonder why that's being a problem. Well,
1: Not, the- Nothing can be easy. You yeah, well
2: we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna debug that right now, but yeah. Nothing's ever easy. I wonder if I switch switch uh maybe I will debug it now. Yeah, nope, it doesn't matter what theme we're on.
1: That's so there are the the normal Windows annoyances. Um it's a slow boot up, slow shutdown, and really slow updating. I mean Oh really? Yeah. Well, what, what's know, the
2: boot? What, I mean, you, you, are you talking about the, the the whole system is a slow? Uh, boot or just the, these terminals? Windows
1: is slow. Oh, oh Windows. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, if you know, uh, the Windows can't write to files that are being run currently, mm-hmm. whereas Linux loads everything into memory and then runs it out of memory. Okay. So Windows, when it has to update, has to boot into a lower-level kernel to install the system-level changes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, not very helpful. It is ex- extraordinarily slow and annoying. Uh, the nice thing is that if I took anything like my, my Logitech receiver from my mouse or my webcam windows immediately recognized that it was a logitech device and started pulling in the logitech drivers and even some of the software for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had to do very little as far as getting drivers to support things. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately one issue is that my mouse four and mouse five buttons don't do anything. um, <laughs> Because it's running as a Synergy client, and apparently the Synergy server doesn't know how to talk to the Windows 10 client correctly, mm. and can't send those buttons across.
2: So it's a, it's a Synergy, the Windows machine is a Synergy client.
1: Yeah, so tomorrow I'll be switching that around, it'll be the Synergy server, and my Linux machine will end up being the client. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that'll resolve that issue.
2: So how much of your day is actually on the Windows machine? I mean, is that like your primary machine?
1: My primary machine for coding is still the Linux, the old Linux machine. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my third screen activity is all on the Windows machine. So a lot of reading, uh, let's say YouTube for educational purposes only. Mm -hmm. No, No entertainment whatsoever. I wouldn't do that. No, of course not. Um, so it's it's always doing something. I'm always playing a video or I'm reading something off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps me keep my, my priorities separated. But it is more annoying than I thought it would be. There are more stupid things than I remembered. Like mm-hmm. it wanted to control all of the map stuff. They wanted to auto-download map information and send my IP information to everybody who asked for it. And there's the the privacy settings page is now like four pages of checkboxes long. And I guess somebody wrote an application that'll just, just turn off all the privacy garbage mm-hmm. so that you know, it'll just do the work for you. But there's there's at least four locations where privacy stuff is. Is hidden away in settings you know, anonymous uh, quote-unquote anonymous usage data and then just listening in on the microphone constantly and sending that to Microsoft
2: We have another guess Hey, it's John! What? Oh, he's got that wonderful hotel Wi-Fi Awesome He looks fairly fairly, uh, primed
1: it's got some red, got some red eyes for sure.
2: <laughs> it's it's pH, PHP ugly coast to coast.
0: I sent you a <laughs> I sent you a sample recording, thinking, hey, I'll join. We'll we'll try this out. I didn't know you guys had started.
2: No, we're live, man. I like
0: this. Well, hello, you guys have missed out on an amazing conference. That's all I got to say. Tell us Go about on. it. Well, I don't know if you can hear me, so I don't know if telling you about it's going to do anything. Make it
1: sure you're recording, though.
0: I am. I got this. I'm a professional. I might be drunk, but I'm a professional drunk. Wait. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think the conference overall, they did a great job. I don't know if they're going to do it again next year, but this whole multi-track thing where you could sit in on an API track, a professional php track a security track has been interesting i think it went off very well i feel bad for the speakers because they spoke for hours and hours on end um there's some things they can tweak but i i think it was a a great learning experience for both one for all events for putting on the conference php architect and the speakers in general
2: did you uh I'm just curious, did you do a lot of uh, moving around between uh, subjects or did you pretty much stick with one track? So for the, the
0: first day I did the, I bounced between security and API. And the second day I stuck in the API track, but that was mostly because I was trying to squash a separate bug in code. So I kind of just sat in the same spot all day, trying to like diving deeper and deeper into mm-hmm. this code, trying to figure out why it wasn't working. And it turned out to be a, a bug both in SendGrid, which I was trying to use. It was a, a package meant to go with Swiftmailer and SendGrid. I kept tracking down this error that was both between the code base and the SendGrid API. And it, it, it just drove me nuts for a, probably four or five hours for a single day trying to figure out what was going on. But I got, mm-hmm. to, while. While at the conference I got to open a PR to an open source project to fix this issue. Nice. And it turned out they were they were throwing an exception. So the the error was because the the code I use wasn't setting a text field in the mail, but the error being thrown by this library had an off by one error. So they were extending exception. And they were trying to throw a custom exception with their own uh, data in the wrong position in the exception call. So it was very frustrating. It took me forever to solve, and it shouldn't have taken that long.
2: Very good. So all in all, the uh, the the conference went well. What what time's your flight tomorrow? So it is now midnight here. I got to be out of here at like
0: five thirty or so. I have an eight a.m. flight.
1: Oh oh, you're good. Yeah, you're yeah. all set. You got. No, yeah. You can just have a hangover the whole flight and not worry about it.
0: Just stay up at this point. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll yeah. just I'll sleep on the way home. It'll be good.
1: <laughs> That's always my my greatest fear with conferences is sleeping through the flight.
0: This was the the first uh, tech where I've been to where the conference hotel was separate from the venue, and it was mm-hmm. like a ten or fifteen minute walk. It, it really worked out fine. It was good.
2: Cool.
0: Cool. Meeting up with with old friends. Um, friend of the show, Chris Spruck, who's listened to every episode. I've got to hang out with him a few times, and actually just left hanging out with him at the hotel bar. It was did you give him stickers? I
2: don't have stickers. I, I, I don't have. Host.
1: I don't have stickers to give host. out. You're a bad host. We were just we were so popular at the conference. He ran out.
0: Yeah, I ran so out the very it. first day. Yep, yep. That was it. Well. Um <laughs> uh, no, he 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 was just telling me how he listens to the show but normally it's like a week or two behind and when we get stuck on people's names or whatever he's like, "I know that and he's trying to help us answer the question
2: but it's pre-recorded." He listens to this show or does he listen to our other show?
1: This show. Yeah, the good oh, okay. show or the
2: bad show? <laughs> so, yeah. Does he listen this one or the one with quality? I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> is
0: it is it the bad show or the batter show? They they were Sorry. they were all going to show up. I, I was ha- having drinks with five people, and they were all going to come in and hang out with us, but they didn't because I wouldn't let them. I said Eric said no. <laughs>
2: I, I I shared their picture on uh, earlier, so you'll you'll want to go back and watch that. It it was a pretty funny lead-in. I think you'll appreciate it. <laughs> I gotta check that out.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. We missed you. We missed you both here, Thomas. You were supposed to be here. I don't know what happened. And Eric, you should have showed up anyway.
1: Yeah, I unfortunately I I lost track of dates and times and uh, forgot to put the pressure on my boss for. The tickets. I, I was oh, thinking really? it was September you, for some you were reason. you really going
0: to go? He said he was yeah. months ago, and then we brought it up like two or three, two or three weeks ago, and then he was like, "Ah, crap, it's too late."
2: You got PHP World coming up. They're they're holding PHP World in October this year, not November. So it's, uh, it's about a month earlier. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know where that's going to be, John. Do you know if that's Washington D.C.
1: The Sheraton Premiere at Tyson's Corner.
2: Tyson's corner, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's move back to Tys that's a fun that's a fun area. So that's cool. Maybe you should go to I'll PHP be there. World. I it. To PHP yeah, yeah World
1: I might Brothers. be uh I might be down for that. It looks like they still got their call for speakers up too. They don't have the schedule yet.
2: Yeah, they, they actually just released call for papers, yeah. I've been encouraged multiple times
0: to submit, so I gotta come up with something. But I will I will definitely put something out there. Uh
2: speaking of uh PHP architect um, in the PHP podcast that John and I do which we actually just released a May show a couple of days ago for for the PHP tech conference hopefully some people were able to listen to it but we we had a uh, interview with uh, Rob Allen who's doing um, articles on serverless
1: uh, for PHP did you record this one? Yeah yeah
2: so this one's already out. Oh no! This is actually the one I didn't record. <laughs> ass <Smartass. laughs> No, this this is the one that. Thank goodness I I decided. Hey, I don't normally do this, but today I'm going to go ahead and, and, and get a backup copy going. I tell you what, after talking to him, I I, I think I'm going to go full court pressure on uh, doing some serverless architecture, for the for like some immediate future. Now it, you.
1: You should have been contacted by my boss about serverless.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working with him on that.
0: Actually, (laughs) talking to a lot of people out here makes me want to go frameworkless, too. Like, If you don't need a a full-blown framework, it's just not why go that route. Why use Laravel if you don't need it?
2: But is but isn't that the argument for development in general? It's you know why use a framework if you don't need it? Don't don't the same arguments hold true? Of well, it's not a matter of needing it. It's a it's a matter of convenience. It's a matter of standards. It's a matter of having, you know, having a a design pattern that yeah for me it's about
1: developers the speed and the ease of readability for other developers. I mean, development speed on, on Laravel, you can't deny it. it's faster than just raw. The, raw,
0: the, number, raw HP. the number of people I've talked to this week about Laravel who have used Laravel and you've got the people that love it, but most people are on the same page. Until he gets off his ass and accepts Semver and starts supporting it, it's just not going to flip and work. It, it It's just a pain in the ass. You can't you can't reliably upgrade it's not enterprise ready no matter what anybody says that's the biggest you can't reliably can't update, update even yeah that's the biggest feedback i'm getting right now is you know laravel is great for a very small one off your your little side hustle project but it's not meant for anything beyond that and it's frustrating the hell out of me because we've put so much of our focus on it for the past 6 years 7 years and it's not that it's not meant for that right now. It's not panning out. Yeah, I feel, yeah. What feel one that... could
1: say we did uh, drown in the Kool Aid there.
0: Yeah, and it's frustrating. It's nobody's fault. It, it is a overall. It's a great framework until
1: you want to. I know like, who I can blame. Until <laughs>
0: you want to go up a single point version, which
2: should not have this kind of downside to it. Well... I, I do stand behind what I said earlier about Laravel was when we made the decision to go with Laravel, they were ahead of the pack with just about in every arena, ad- adopting PSR, adopting composer, uh, adopting, you know, some of the pat- you know uh, patterns that were just kind of made sense. And they were so far ahead of the curve. And we were, we were trying to make decisions of, you know, who are we going to use? It's like, well, why don't we use
1: these guys who are cutting edge? But Laravel well, it, isn't it wasn't, it's not I,
2: cutting edge anymore. It, it wasn't
1: just that it was cutting edge, though. I mean, at the time, it, it Laravel 4.2 happened right as the PHP community said, slam on the brakes, start over, we're not doing PHP 6, reset the whole environment, and we're just going to do it from scratch the right way this time. And things mm-hmm. moved at lightning speed from there on. So mm-hmm. there is was the convergence of so many things at once with Composer, PHP 7, uh, and then all of these design patterns that people knew but hadn't really integrated on a framework scale, uh, mm-hmm. at least not the way that Laravel ended up doing. Uh, and Laravel had Laracasts. I mean, we cannot... Ignore the quality of Laricasts. it It brought my coding standards way, way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do Laricasts anymore. It doesn't have anything for me anymore. but it was introducing me to concepts daily that made programming completely a different world for me. You know, it, and I think
2: that's a good barometer of the community in general because if you look at Laricasts those when you know he was he was coming out with these new uh, design patterns and these new workflows and you know, they were so so refreshing to see. You haven't seen that in a while with with Laracasts, Laravel itself, where they were they were deploying you know deploying with Composer. You you installed the framework with Composer. You uh, you know, it was when the PSRs were coming out, they were they were quickly making modifications and adopting to the PSRs. But now, over the last couple of years, Larrivelle has gotten this mentality of, well, we're just going to do it our way. You know, screw this. I, we're tired of the haters. You know, any anybody who's a critic is a hater, and we're just going to do it our way. And they've they've just kind of, I honestly feel like they've done the Laravel community a disservice in certain fields like versioning and and sticking to a proper versioning release cycle that it's, it's starting to be, it's very difficult to, to continue to promote it. um, As hard as that is to say. And uh, so to your point, John um, with the serverless stuff, like I said, I'm doing a full-court press, I think, over the next couple of months on serverless. Um, I think that not only am I going to focus heavily on it, I very, very well may end up even pivoting on my language of choice. I I will initially use really? PHP because that is the language I am most comfortable with. But, you know... I when, if, if all we're doing is kicking out these functions, these endpoints, you know, why not write it in a language that is more conducive to the serverless architecture. So something like a Node.js is specifically what I'm looking at. Um, I was thinking about Python, um, but uh, node, I mean, node really makes sense because node is, is like what, all the serverless architectures kind of promote um, and natively support so i've i've been
0: You're looking to redirect are you just using it as a proxy back to a, another container or are you trying to do all the work within the the lambda function itself
2: so the uh, so Rob Allen mentioned in his his article was a two part article uh, his first part was basically talking about serverless. Architecture and breath specifically, which is kind of the the glue that allows you to deploy PHP on Serverless. Uh, we'll put the links to the show notes in the show notes. Is BREF B R E F. Um, next next month will be part two of his article where he's actually writing an application in which he's consuming um, uh, Flickr APIs, leveraging. S3 and a few other things, and creating his own endpoints, and for things like that, uh, John, you're familiar with one of the projects I'm working on, which is basically us taking a request, us querying multiple services, multiple APIs from multiple services, and then getting a response back and sending that back to the uh, to the mobile device. Something like that. I'm thinking. That is probably a better, better suited Node.js application for me. So I don't know. I'm not I, like I said. This is all. This idea is new to me. I mean, the, it, it came to me the more. Ever since talking to Rob, the more I looked into Breath, the more I started looking into the, 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 the tutorials on Serverless and getting going with Serverless because I I, I had deployed uh, Serverless apps following tutorials in the past, and one of them happened to be a Laravel app. But this time, I really want to get it done correctly. I want I want to understand what I'm doing and be able to repeat it uh, time and time again. And the more I look into it, just the more I'm just thinking, yeah, it would be nice to do in PHP, but that's not really the right solution for that. So I don't know where I'm at with that yet.
0: Uh, We have a friend of the show, Daniel Abernathy, on Twitter asking us if I really think that it's only good for hobby projects. And I just want to reiterate, I've talked to multiple people who will not and cannot use Laravel in their production environments, mostly because of the lack of Simver adoption and the fact that you can, between point release updates... Have backwards breaking changes, and that has been so so frustrating. Not only for us, I mean we've we've talked about it numerous times on the show, but I've talked to m- many people this week over the same crap. You know, it's the same thing of we've looked into this, and we we're not going to put it into production because. And it really all comes down to Semver. If if you would follow Semver and not have backwards breaking changes between point releases. Granted, if he had these backward-changing things in place between major updates, it would suck, but it would suck less if it was better documented. But just between a a small point upgrade, there should be no backwards-changing breaks, backward-breaking changes.
2: And and let me just reiterate some of the points there, uh, Daniel. Um, We are heavily invested in Laravel. Our, Our development shop, uh, we really went down the Laravel path. We sold it to a couple clients. I mean, I mean, you know, sold the idea of Laravel for some major pro- projects. We are highly invested in Laravel, and we are speaking to you from a point of where we have felt the pain and we have felt the struggle, and it's just it's. <sighs> It's just getting difficult. It it it's just getting really really difficult.
1: That's not even accounting for the sweeping changes like removing all of the form helpers, uh deprecating and then removing all of the helper methods for arrays the and streams. facades and I mean it's just some of the decisions they happen so fast and they're so bizarre there's not really any way to defend them other than mm-hmm. to say well he gets to do it cuz it's his
2: Right, and those are the those are the two two big changes that need to happen. It not being enterprise ready, we're willing to, to live with. We 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 made that decision when we picked Laravel. That we knew it wasn't enterprise ready. The the Simver issue, just from a big application implementation where we have several Laravel applications uh, deployed, not being able to adhere to Simver. Is a major problem for us because it causes us. It really slows down that that upgrade path. And then, to uh, Thomas's point, how things are removed or implemented could really use better vetting. Like it, it, the, this one person making a decision at a whim, just because they feel like the, you know it, it's been time. It's hard, dude. I I I wish it wasn't. I'm talking to you as a friend, Daniel. I know who you are. You know me. I wish, I wish it wasn't. Yeah. And was,
1: you, usually, when we talk about a, a benevolent dictator for life, we think of somebody like Linus Torvald, um, who prefers the status quo, who wants things to be maximum stability. And if you can't validate a new feature or a removal, then he's just going to just wave you away he doesn't want to hear it what we have with laravel is the exact opposite which is it's mine so i get to do whatever i want and i want to play with all of the latest toys and that's what's really hurting me every time we try to upgrade something's been removed and it's now relied upon by somebody else to maintain it um there's a new feature that breaks all sorts of backwards compatibility because he didn't think anybody still used that, you know, and it's, it's really treated like it's his toy. And if you don't want to play with it, go find a different playground. But then to call it enterprise in the same sentence is to just completely ignore the reality of being a framework developer.
2: Yeah. And I know it sounds like we're, we're, we're hating on the Laravel, you know, and that's part of the problem. Again, if you're a critic of anything Laravel, you're, you're automatically labeled as hater, and we're not. I mean, I was probably one of the biggest Laravel fans. Uh, did multiple um, streams with Taylor, with Jeffrey Way, with Adam Rathand, Where I Had a whole Laravel user group. Um, it just, it hurts, man. I mean, it hurts. It hurts bad. Uh, it's just the reality of it. At,
0: at this point in time, with the people I've talked to, Laravel has looked more at like if you need something quick and dirty to get up and running, or you are new to the community or new to programming, Laravel is your easy way in. But as you get better, you you learn more, and I really do right. believe it comes down to the Semver thing because you you learn how these breaking changes are so bad for your code. You you look for Better options, and it sucks.
1: Yeah, well, and not just bad for your code, but they're bad for your business. And you know, if, if your code can recover, you know, one of the constant arguments I see is that you know a, a simple string replace can fix all this stuff in you know two seconds, uh, and that you can you can just go to Laravel Shift and have your entire application upgraded for you for five dollars. And for me, that that's not the problem. The problem is the consistency. And the predictability mm-hmm. it, if I come back to the Laravel environment after being away for a year will I even know what I'm looking at because mm-hmm. I haven't done that I've been knee deep in Laravel for five years six years now
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if I went away for one year I'm not sure that I would be able to come back real easily I don't know that and, it would and, be, look anything think, the same
2: I think between what you said and what John said, I mean, you guys pretty much hit it. I think one of the things that really keeps the hype going with Laravel are these development agencies that slam out an application but don't have to maintain it. Like they they you know, pump out these applications, they they sell them off, and they they move on to the next application. Right? They're not they're not living with these applications year over year over year release over release over release, like, like we've been doing, we're the ones that are in those trenches and are feeling, feeling that pain. Um, I think if, if I worked for, if, if our business model was to, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, here's your app, leave us alone. you know call us when you want us to develop you a new, a new one. That would be great. I would love Laravel. Um, Laravel would be perfect for that, but it's that it's, it's that legacy it's you know the older the application gets it's you know it's it's difficult to carry it carry it along with you it's it's a struggle wow we haven't we haven't released our laravel hostility in a while man
0: well i i can i can change the subject real quick thomas let's play let's play a game who is older yeah who is older chris harches grumpy programmer or our good buddy Eric Van Johnson.
1: Uh, Eric, definitely.
0: <laughs> why would you say that? That's so mean. I mean, it's correct, but why? But why are you so mean?
1: Well, because I just because Eric last week was wearing his made in sixty nine shirt, mm-hmm. and and endlessly talking about his own birthday. And yeah, it, it was me talking about it. That's act-
0: right. Actually, Chris, Chris was older than I thought he was. He he told us today. I sat in his API track all day, and he's forty eight. And
2: okay, but but that's not fair because he's Canadian and and they don't age. Oh, like the as- oh, you're right. Forty really eight really yeah, Canadian
0: right. is like fifty four American,
2: right? Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's almost one to one, but not quite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, no, but Eric, I I do have to say that again. Sitting in his track all day, I, I had a couple more points to bring up to you, which you're not going to like. He is a heavy oh. he is a heavy Vim user, which you and I both agree on. Yay! But but he one of his major points was pick an editor, stick to it, and master it. Don't bounce around from editor to
1: editor, and screw
2: him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well. now
1: to be fair, Eric bounces around from implementations of Vim to implementations of Vim. He, when right. he's in VS Code, he's in Vim mode in VS
0: Code. I mean, we all are, but it's still within an editor. So he's so. Chris has gone with PHP Storm. From everything I gathered today in his talks. But his point was, don't go from PHP Storm to VS Code to .NET or whatever you're going to go to.
2: Yeah, I I think I think my again my whole thing with VS Code um, is I'd like to have a free editor out there that I'm familiar with, familiar enough with where I'm comfortable recommending it to new developers or developers who can't afford PHP Storm. I mean, that's, that's really kind of, that's kind of a burden I carry for myself. It's like, you know, I want to make sure that, that I I don't have this expectation that people can buy the same tools that I buy, uh, to, to do things. I, I do the same thing with my database, uh, tool, I, I've moved on to a tool that is you have to you're required to buy. There's not a free, free version that tables, but I still check out each SQL Pro and I still keep my eye on a couple of others, uh, just so I have good recommendations for other developers who you know, might not have the budget.
1: Well, but you do I, love your toys.
2: I do. I I, I do believe I, I have said in the past, and I, I will say it again. If you're making a living, uh, a living doing PHP development invest in php storm
0: mm-hmm. you have said you, that I, I do agree it, it's more that i know you like to bounce around but i don't think you've ever really bounced around more in reality as far as a work environment you bounce around to try
2: things but not not necessarily actual work right 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 yeah, yeah it's it, usually my little projects in the weekend i'll uh, i'll try a new editor uh from time to time but
1: yeah i've got some news what kind of news i am taking over the peak php meetup with uh new member brian oh so what wasn't the old member Brian? old brian is still moving there is a new brian uh he is the one that i sat down with that he's the one i sat down with at length uh talking about how crazy it was that Laravel didn't support Semver. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, he and I are going to be taking over peak PHP. We've got uh, the Facebook page and all that stuff handed over for administrative privileges. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, we're, we're moving that one forward.
2: You said, you sound excited.
1: I am. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a busy man. Teenage, three teenage children is more than anyone is supposed to have.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, then you haven't met Tim Lytle.
1: Well, I'm not saying other people don't do crazy things.
0: Well, he, he I think he's up to 27 kids or some craziness.
1: <laughs> what? Is he <laughs> Mormon?
0: No, he's not. <laughs> is he vegan? No, he's not, this but he, but he's made me this whole trip us. for it. I'm just saying. By the way, have I mentioned that I'm vegan? I I, I realized I've I've not been doing my duty by mentioning it every three minutes.
1: You're
2: definitely going to want to watch the beginning of the show.
1: (laughs) I I was going to say that uh, the the forehead tattoo that said vegan and proud was a bold move. But since you're your own boss, you don't ever have to worry about hiring like that.
2: No. Yeah, you're good.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Sorry, on the strip. I learned that Tim will not be at PHP World because he's having uh, another child in October. So congratulations Tim. We're happy.
2: I mean, at at this point can his like, his oldest child child just deliver the new child? I mean.
0: No, <laughs> we, we did clarify that he doesn't let the kids into the the birth room. Ugh, okay. he, although he did have a he did have a friend that was in homeschooling that went through that and so he knows not to do that with his kids. Sorry, Tim. Was- just
1: if, if he ever does if he ever does a presentation on rate limiting, I'm not going.)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew I asked him the wrong question during his API talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you deal with rate limiting? Oh, you don't. All right. Uh, last week, I realized I had been recording at the wrong bit rate again. Silly so Thomas. My file was like a minute and a half shorter than everyone else's, and I had to edit it every 10 minutes again. Uh, but then I was met with the pleasant surprise that we've upgraded to the new version of Simplecast when I was
2: Simplecast
1: 2.0! And wow, what a turn of events they went through. Boy, they just took a nice interface and pooped all over it.
2: Right, I didn't realize it was actually going to change our website too. Um actually, let me cut over to that way I'm doing this. So if I go to php now, you'll see we have a nice new Ugh. website which uh a little disappointed in. Um Yeah, I don't don't know how I feel about it, but it's there. Uh, there are some cool things uh, you can now embed our show. I know everybody's everybody's been asking us, Eric. I love your show, but I really <laughs> want to embed it into my website. Well, I want other people well, to know I can. listen as well. The the, yeah. the quarters of people. So now you you can embed it uh, embed it into the website. Uh, what you can't do, however, is just in, have one embed for the latest episode, which is disappointing. So I'm. It's, it's one of the feature requests open with, uh, with
1: Simplecast, but
2: yep, new Simplecast, um, that was fun.
0: They made it super simple?
2: Out.
1: Uh, nope, they made it about ten times more difficult. Uh, instead of having one page where all of the settings for the episode you want to release are, it is two pages or three pages split across half of the screen on each side. But don't don't you
2: just upload the episode? We we have we have our uh, person do all the uh, note taking stuff.
1: I used to. I used to just upload the episode and set the release date and mark it as published. And uh, several of the terms have changed, so the idea of publishing date uh, is now something else.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and you can't set a publishing date until the episode audio file has been uploaded and processed. So I have to sit there and wait for it to process for ten minutes.
2: Oh, uh, really?
1: Yeah, and there's like it's just it's a it's a nicer looking interface until you have to start using it, and once you start using it, it is just awful.
0: Tim, you can your come tweet. down to my room. I just saw your tweet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wear the robe, Tim.
1: Wear the robe,
2: <laughs> Tim. You don't wow. have to. Oh uh, Goodness! What does recast? What does see? That do? I've
0: been doing my job while I was here. I recruited new listeners. That's all I got to say.
2: I'm not sure what recast does.
0: Oh, t- Tim would love this story. You want You want one more funny story about it's me?
1: It's like a clipping system.
2: Hey, Absolutely. Give enough with Simplecast.
0: Story. I got a funny story about me. Well, you can laugh at okay. me. Okay. So no,
2: we laugh at you because we were doing that before so... you even logged in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're good. We're, we're good. good.
0: So. So I went to dinner with a few people, including Tim, the other night. And don't ask me why, but we ended up in the same restroom.
1: And... <laughs> it seems like, you're bearing, seems like you're burying the lead a little there. Same stall. I asked you not to
0: ask. I I, I ended up in the stall. And all of a sudden, I, I couldn't get out. I was stuck in the stall. I couldn't get, <laughs> could not figure out how to open the freaking door. <laughs> uh, I finally... Tim Tim was laughing at you me. Know,
2: I'm just gonna say, ever since John has gone vegan, his memory of how to do some of the simple things like where he parked his car, leaving his bag behind, elevators going up or down. He's been struggling with a lot of these decisions.
1: Well, and then he's lost a lot of muscle mass apparently. Can't get that latch up.
2: Tim
0: Tim brought up <laughs> a good point. It was in my own escape room. I just couldn't I couldn't solve the puzzle. <laughs>
1: Uh,
2: you have to flush the toilet, put your hand in there, and there's a key that pops out.
0: See, I missed That's that That's not part. a
2: key. That's <laughs> <laughs> not.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Uh, why am I sharing all this with you? I
2: don't know.
1: Uh, something about alcohol, I don't know.
2: Mm, alcohol Alcohol makes it all easier.
0: Something uh, about being it, exhausted. I got to be up in, like, four hours.
2: No, you're good. You you, you forget yeah, it's stuck. only... Uh, It's only 9.40 here in California, and that's where you'll be landing. So you've got to remember to keep the time difference in mind.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, you're just avoiding jet lag. Exactly. You're playing it the smart way. (laughs) Uh, GitHub has a new root level file called funding. funding Funding.yaml. What? have you guys... I have not seen this. This is about? awesome.
2: What is this crazy, crazy word you say?
1: Uh, so their new thing is that this will add sponsorship links and buttons to your GitHub page. So if you have a funding.yaml button, or a funding.yaml file, then GitHub will parse that and display the appropriate buttons for how to sponsor the project or... Uh, Pay for you know development support or not development support but sp- sponsorship they <laughs> this is a sudden terrifying appearance of John on camera
0: <laughs> he, he moved my my image, so I had to He's pop on, on. that's alright, don't pay attention funding that yaml let's keep uh, keep this going I got to go to bed
1: so the github sponsors there's a a page on how to associate your yaml or your project with different sponsor projects like Patreon. Um, There's a a bunch I've never heard of before, but it is a a big move forward for the open source community.
2: Hmm.
1: And sort of acknowledging that, yeah, open source is free, but needs money.
0: I'm actually surprised they didn't take this in a different direction of GitHub collecting money on behalf of content creators, just kind of like, Patreon does, and taking a small cut of it as they pass the money on to those creators.
1: I think there would be riots in the street if Microsoft had started collecting money for people for sponsorships like that. Good point. Um, and I think that's—I think that's an industry that Microsoft doesn't want to get into. You know, yeah, you Patreon's t- Patreon's yeah. big, but Microsoft—they're a giant. I don't think they want to get into the collecting microtransactions.
2: For GitHub, uh, GitHub went through a style update, huh? Because this, I, I noticed this earlier. I was looking at some uh, docs on GitHub. I'm like, they, they they have a new like minimal looking interface now.
1: I do the not help, see a the difference. help stuff
2: like this. This this is not what what GitHub help looked like before. This is all this is all very very clean looking. It's uh, I don't remember it looking like this like. Pretty sure they have new fonts and stuff.
0: Well, if you're if you're interested in a dark theme for GitHub, this week I learned about a Chrome extension called Stylus, and within there you can include themes, including a GitHub dark theme. So it basically just replaces the the GitHub CSS with a dark theme. I learned that from Andy Snell.
2: Well, thank you, Andy. Yeah, learning all sorts
0: of stuff while I'm out here to do this more often.
2: You need to throw that, uh, throw that in the Trello board, John, so we can add it to the show notes.
0: Man, I'm not here to work. I'm here to talk. <laughs>
2: like, Screw you guys, man. I'm going to bed. He
1: can't find <laughs> his computer.
2: <laughs> Again, you're right. Oh, wait. all right So I, I want to throw one more thing out there. So we were talking about PHP Storm earlier. Uh, I heard an interesting theory, and I'd like, you, I, I would like for you guys to take this journey with me, and then we'll wrap up the show. Um we, we talked about PHP Storm and again you're making money doing web development. Look to invest in a tool like PHP Storm, it's it's worth it. Um PHP Storm is created by a, a company called JetBrains. Um and JetBrains, they have a whole line of uh language specific editors. They have some other stuff out there, some other tools, uh Team City and some other things, but their bread and butter are their are their editors for language. So they have Python, uh, which is PyCharm. They have PHP. Uh, they have a JavaScript one, which is just called Web, I think, or something like that. But uh, they're also the people behind um, the Android uh, suite as well. So the Android uh, development tool is basically uh, JetBrains implementation uh focused on android so this is nothing I new not this, is, that. this is the way life has been for for a while well a couple of years ago i think it's been a couple of years now um jetbrains released its own language uh called kotlin and of course they created an editor for kotlin as well and kotlin's sort of like a java a java replacement right like works, it's basically written. Like my understanding of it, I haven't written any Kotlin, but if you know Java, you can write Kotlin. It's kind of like the same syntax. It plays very well with uh, with Java, and it was it was targeted for uh, developers of mobile apps, specifically Android apps, um, who wanted to you know have another platform to develop on. Well, an interesting um interesting news was made. Google now has says Kotlin is now the preferred language for, for Android app development. Kotlin is now the preferred language for Android app development. This is very interesting because if you know the history of Google and Android development, they did, they did this on, on Java. You know, that was like the core uh, platform for Android development in the moment Oracle uh, took over Java, they've basically been been suing Google nonstop. They continue to sue Google. So Google appears to be moving to Kotlin and, and promoting Kotlin development for Android. So now, the big question, how long do you think it's going to take before Google buys
1: JetBrains? Is this uh, Price is Right rules?
2: I mean I I, I, yeah, I mean, over over under will it be this year will it be next year will it be will it be 6 months let's let's do let's do a month's thing let's do 6 6 months sir I think it's going to be within the next within the next year like why wouldn't they this would give this would give Google a whole line of developer tools suite yeah you know, a suite of developer tools that they could all I don't know where JetBrains is based. I don't know if it's a U.S. company. I heard it's not a U.S. company, but I don't know where JetBrains is based out of. But I, I got to imagine Google money. Google has got to have the money to purchase them. I, I don't know how much money they make. Like I said, we in the development world, everybody's very familiar with JetBrains, but 100, 100 bucks a year from a couple of developers and then Google coming in and just saying, yeah, you know what, we'll just take everything. Especially if they could...
1: I, the internet seems to be asking the same question. I don't know what Google's investment is. I mean, acquisitions on this kind of scale are more complicated than just like, hey, they should buy it. Um, if Google is saving massive amounts of money by allowing JetBrains to be its own company and just buying the product for the Android Studio from them, then there might be a cost-benefit measurement there we're just not seeing, um, where Google says, yeah, we don't want to manage this company. We just want to buy their product and give it to other people to use. Uh, and it's not like the opportunity is going to slip through their fingers. If, if Microsoft announces they're going to buy JetBrains, then naturally Google is going to have a counter offer for them but i just i don't see the benefit for google quite yet
2: they would own the kotlin language
1: they would well, own okay, the language so that's that's a good question is who would own kotlin and it's very possible that it's an open source language yeah apache 2.0 so even if microsoft bought JetBrains, uh, said, Kotlin said, would still be free. Google,
2: Google, not Microsoft.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying: is that if if Microsoft bought JetBrains from underneath Google, Google doesn't have to worry about what they're dealing with with Java it, it, it's because fine of that, the
2: it's fine that it, it, it continues to be open source. But you would have control over the direction of it. You could then really start to to make it very specific to Android. Android development, you know, you have complete control over the direction of that project.
1: I don't know that that's true. I think sure as an is. open source as an open source project, Google could very easily just say Kotlin two is our Kotlin and deal with it. Um, I, I'd well, have yeah, to look. I mean, at-
2: that, that that would be an option as well. But they they would own they would own the the project.
0: Then you don't have to worry about telling all your developers, hey, you have to move to Kotlin 2 to, to continue working with us, if Microsoft now not
1: JetBrains. I, I also have no doubts that Microsoft has contracts with JetBrains about this kind of problem specifically already.
0: So, um, so answer the question. What's your time frame? What do you think before Google makes an offer on JetBrains?
1: I don't think they will.
0: They will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I'll take thirteen months. Thirteen months. 13 months? Yeah, you, I'll you, take, you've got twelve uh, and under. I got thirteen and over, and Thomas is out.
2: Oh, I got you. Oh, so you you went the whole prices right <laughs> on me. You That's just did a sick. dollar more <laughs> <It's> faster.
0: <laughs> I was trying to get I was trying to get him to commit to some number so I could figure out where I was going to go, but. <laughs> His <laughs> yeah, numbers I are not going to do it. A year so would it, be a
2: long time. I would, I would, I would honestly not be surprised if, if within the next three months we 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 see it. I I would not be surprised. But yeah, I think a year would be a safe a safe bet. Yeah,
0: so uh, all right, so all right, we'll, we'll talk cool. again we'll June see what
1: next happens. year. I mean, I can I can tell you that the Google.
2: No developers Thomas, you had, you had are contributing. You had your opportunity, Thomas. Thomas is going to come in now and say, 15 months, 14 months. John, John said 13, so...
1: <laughs> I don't think Kotlin has anything to do with it, though. I think if Microsoft was interested in buying an IDE developer, or if Google was interested in an IDE developer, then it would look different than just announcing that their preferred language but, is Kotlin. But, but let's...
2: Okay, let let's not worry about Kotlin for a second. What's been one of the biggest criticisms of, of Google over the last couple of years is how they've started to disconnect with the developers. The developers who, who made them so popular, the developers who, you know, you know, used all their APIs, how Google has been, you know, distancing themselves from the, the development group. What better way to reconnect with them than to have the editors of all the languages that everybody uses.
1: I I don't know, I don't have an answer.
2: Okay. Fair enough. I think that's a good spot though. Good spot to wrap it up. Uh we got we got some heavy criticism already on the show on Twitter. People people pretty much overwhelmingly hate our, our show. Um good to
1: good to know that. Yeah. We're as uh, popular as mm-hmm. Game of Thrones then, that's great.
2: <laughs> exactly. So uh, so we're just going to wrap it up here and uh, hopefully uh, salvage a few friendships later. All right. Uh, this has been episode 153? Three. 153. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson.
0: I'm John Conger.
2: I'm Tom Wrightout.
0: Keep, Keep it it ugly. PHP ugly.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.